You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Jeff Lloyd here as we continue three more sleeps till the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft kicks off. Obviously, you know, uh, I believe, you know, some Browns fans, I think some of you maybe are either, and this happens every year, people are just at their wits end and it's like, look, my God, let's just do it already. Um, maybe some of you, you know, maybe the, the 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 wanting to talk about it is maybe it's not there as much because, you know, obviously this team is a lot more complete than it's been in the last couple of years heading into the NFL draft. I get all of that. But there's still work to be done, and you can still find a way to add some players, and they may seem like minor contributors when they are first drafted, but they could turn out to be major, major factors uh, for the Cleveland Browns for years to come. And Pete Smith and I, we're going to just continue to bust that down for you. Uh, so we're going to get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, guys, uh, never forget, inside the car, whether at home, whether it's Alexa, whether it's your car, just say, play podcast locked on rounds have the latest episode brought up for you and obviously you get all the ramblings of me and pete here as we bust you through this draft coverage uh pete you uh over on nfl spin zone today got out your final uh browns mock of the year why don't you just talk everybody through that here real quick because uh you know for the most part i think it was received pretty well um there was some who maybe didn't appreciate it and uh anybody who listens to the show and follows along on twitter probably knows who that person is because you know i mean you know now it's not even more so much sticking up for chad thomas anymore pete it's sticking up for a bunch of guys who combined took about 39 reps last year so a few things first um is it weird that as of today i'm like way more excited about the draft even though we've been doing this for like Four months? Uh, I don't know why. Like, it feels like, Because it's this week. We know it's I, I, coming. I guess that must be it. But, like, even though the Browns don't have very many, you know, as many picks and they're not picking, you know, until 49, weirdly, like, I'm way more excited. Maybe that's because I'm largely done with the grunt work and all that. that but that we do like the draft too. on a whole. We do like it on a whole. So, I mean, we want to uh, see some, some different name go with three or four and say, oh, okay, now this all of a sudden just got really freaking interesting. Weirdly, yeah, I'm I'm way more excited about it today. Like we uh, can root for chaos. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that there's certainly an element of that, at least within the division. But anyway, so yeah, I did the the last one. Um, I messed around with all kinds of boards, and I, I I don't remember which one I picked to come up with this, but I basically said screw it, so I didn't include the board. But anyway, so <laughs> uh, so I started off with Juan Thornhill, forty nine. Um, no surprise there. Obviously, I love Juan Thornhill, uh, but I also just think he's a tremendous fit, and I and, and I think the Browns have a legitimate interest for what he can do for them. I uh, followed that up with Amani Oruarie from Penn State, uh, and I assume that's how it's pronounced. And if not, you know, the, I expect well, there's a certain element of Browns fandom and especially Browns media that really doesn't want the Browns to draft him because they're going to have to learn how to spell it and learn how to pronounce it. And but, we'll butcher it till October, but once he starts making some plays or becomes head coach, we'll get your name right. But, uh, you know, he's a, a he's a very athletic, big uh, corner that fits what the Browns want to do. Uh, and... You know, if you watch my tape, he has a real knack for coming up with clutch interceptions. Uh, nailed down the win against App State in overtime. Yeah, that did happen. Uh, there are a couple other big plays. He fights for the ball harder than some of the receivers he goes against. And he's got pretty good hands. Uh, has a knack for making plays on the ball. Reasonably physical. Uh, a lot of experience in that. 
119 I went with Max Sharping, offensive tackle Northern Illinois. I don't think he's going to last this long, but he is a guy I think the Browns are going to be inclined to be interested in uh, for any number of reasons. 144, Miles Boykin, the receiver from Notre Dame. And and I pointed out a couple things with this. receiver. And I went back and looked. He's taken basically nothing. If he's good, he's going to be gone because they're not going to want to pay that much money in receivers. Uh, and, you know, Antonio Callaway's there and Odell Beckham's there. But let's say one of them gets hurt or whatever, you know, and you lose one or both those receivers, they're going to need guys who are ready to come in and contribute. They are not going to want to have to wait on receivers, they're going to want guys who can come in, and Baker Mayfield is going to sort of help, you know, ease the gap a little bit. But they want guys who are ready to go. They don't want to have to wait this off. You know, they're, they're competing for Super Bowl. It's not about, you know, we're 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 okay taking a step back at receiver for you. They, I don't think Dorsey's okay with that. I don't think the team is geared that way. One fifty-five, Saquon Hampton, the safety from Rutgers. Obviously, I love this kid. Uh, I think the Big Ten. Finally started putting out highlight tapes for these guys. Oh, that's uh, nice. Like within the last week. So if you want to see a lot of Saquon Hampton making plays, you can check that out. Uh, Are you telling me nobody watched Rutgers this year, Pete? Well, I mean, occasion. I mean, this was a big get for the Big Ten. I mean, it's in, and by in, I mean nearby the New York market uh, and Manhattan, and that was going to be a huge boon for them to uh, their readings and everything, and it's working out great. And nobody has any regrets. <laughs> it's going swimmingly. <laughs> and it's going super awesome. Uh, but, you know, there's a couple things here. First, I think Saquon Hampton's a really good player on his own. But if, for whatever reason, you know, the Demarius Randall stuff doesn't, you know, get resolved, I think it ultimately will. But, you know, if, if they move on, you know, this draft, the way it's laid out, uh, has potentially two safeties that could take over that role. I think Saquon Hampton's a really good player, could ultimately be a long-term starter or more. Uh, so that gives them an option. And right now they don't have depth behind Demary Randall at all. Uh, you know, Juan Thornhill could conceivably be that, but he could also be on the field next to him. Uh, one, those, 170. Those two, could be on, those two could be on the field by week seven over Murray yeah. and, and, you know, uh, Burnett. So. Well, I mean, I, I think Juan Thornhill would basically be, you know, a, a situational player at the very least already. And I don't think Eric Murray's a safety. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, if they walk out on the practice field. John drafted uh, him as a corner. He didn't draft him as a safety. Right. And, and he's one of those. I, I really do think he's like, uh, I, I think body yep. is one way. But the, the kid the Browns had a couple of years ago ended up in Buffalo as a safety. Uh Poyer or the other one? Yeah, Jordan Poyer. I think he's that type of dude where he was drafted as a corner out of college. Uh, to the Eagles, the Browns scooped him up. He was sort of a cor- cor- slot corner, depth safety, and then he got a nice deal from the Bills, had a good year with them. I think that's more what Eric Murray really is. Uh, anyway, 170, Michael Dogbay. Uh, allegedly, the Browns really like Dogbay. I don't Yes, you know, they do. They, sh- they should. I mean, he's really good, and I think he fits with the locker room atmosphere in terms of the defensive tackles. Like, he, to me, would fit in beautifully, and, and, and who knows, maybe they wouldn't like each other. But it just Michael Dogbay really seems like he'd fit in with guys like Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett. He's obviously a hardworking, really intelligent guy, and that certainly fits in with those guys. Uh, just a hard-ass worker, you know, you know that guy. I, I, I still think of him as the blue-collar 
at Oliver, and you know that certainly has its appeal on its on its face. Uh, One eighty nine, Cody Barton, certainly a guy I've talked about quite a bit, and yep. all of a sudden, and there's a theme here, and and I know Jeff picked up on it today. A lot of quote unquote late risers. Um, and unknowns that are suddenly being talked about that we've been talking about for months. Darnell uh, Savage, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, a, virtu- yeah, a virtual unknown. Well, the other big get for the Big Ten, clearly going really well, was Maryland. Uh, and, and, and finishing up with, <laughs> uh, in the seventh round with Cortez Broughton, the defensive tackle of Cincinnati, I still think he's one of the most underrated players in the draft. I think he fits in really well with what the Browns are wanting to do. I think he can play the three. I also think if he can get consistent with his pad level, uh, he can do some things at the nose, uh, and that you know gives them more pass rush options. But certainly another guy who could at least hopefully give you some credibility. And you know if Carl Davis shows out and they get a real backup nose tackle for them, then they have another pass rushing option that can come in uh, and give something. But they aren't in that scenario. They aren't relying on Brian Price and Daniel Equale, and they aren't pr- counting on. Devereaux Lawrence, who the Browns traded a seventh-round pick for, and played a grand total of two snaps last year. Um, they get you know guys that are athletic, productive, and can come in and hopefully contribute now, as opposed to hoping that guys that were showed out allegedly uh, in preseason game four uh, aren't you know in a situation because you have to ask the question and you have to have a real answer for what if either Sheldon Richardson or Larry Ogunjobi goes down for a, a you know a quarter a game a couple games and uh, Sheldon Richardson's health is remarkable uh, Larry Ogunjobi's had more issues with it but what happens and you're in a playoff game one of those guys goes down are you really going to tell me that you're going to put in insert jobber that looked good against preseason guys before. And if they compete and they beat him out, God bless them. Uh, but let's find out with an actual competition against talent. And that sort of wraps up where I went. Well, that's the whole point of it, though. I mean, is, you know, look, the defensive line, which should be, you know, the, you know, we went into it last year and it started off hot and you know, with the defensive line. And we thought, look at this, this is going to be fantastic. And then it was like, you know, Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi, hands on hips in the fourth quarter. You go to, you know, stat sheets the next day. They took five plays off. He got four reps off. You, you, you like, it's like you almost over, I, I, you know, I don't want to use the term overreact because you want a deep defensive line no matter what. But it's almost that you're overreacting because you want to get to the point where it's, I want to have enough good guys in here where it's, no, don't don't get a quick sip of water and go away on the field for the next rep. You can take two to three. Get a serious blow, not just, you know, get your helmet, get your chin strap back on correctly and get the hell back out there. Um, and that's the point of what you did because, you know, Vernon obviously can play either side of the defensive line. Sheldon Richardson can play anywhere on the defensive line. So, you're, you know, Miles, if you want to bring in, uh, you know, another pass rusher and you're going to kick him inside for a rep, you can do, you, you want to bring versatility and length and depth. And you don't just want to say you're doing it. You want to have bodies that can do it. And, you know, I think with Broughton, with Dog Bay, you're bringing in guys of that nature. You know, look, Thornhill, obviously, I, I know you're a huge fan of Saquon Hampton. Um, so, you know, and obviously the kid is, you know, shined in what was an absolute shithole. So you got to give that kid credit where maybe now if he gets just a little bit more taste of now it's the NFL and it's it's a good team 
And you know, now he's playing with a little bit more confidence where you want to know what he knows if he makes even the slightest mistake, it's not going to kill a game because he's playing with 10 other dudes who are capable of getting the job done. Um, you know, Saquon Hampton's future could be very, very bright in front of him. Um, got to talk to uh, Tim Harris's agent today. You guys, uh, we had mentioned him, uh, cornerback from University of Virginia. Um, similar to Justin Lane, you know, the size is off the charts. The testing was off the charts. Uh, ran well, actually ran a lot better than Justin Lane. Um, Brad, he's a guy that we had mentioned would be a day three. Just, I mean, you usually don't get guys with that athleticism on day three. Had missed some time, obviously, at the University of Virginia. Everything was upper body, though, so you're not worried about, you know, ankles, knees, hips, any of that. Um, Browns do have interest, though, so do not be surprised if somehow, some way, you know, he ends up somehow in the fold, and then this would be maybe be if, you know, John handles the front part of this draft a little bit different than we think or, you know, goes a little higher in a position that we think should be a target but, you know, establishes it early, like offensive line. That's been kind of a bit of a hot rumor here. You know, lately, you know, you know, maybe they want something else. My guess would be they what maybe want, you know, another tackle, which, you know, who knows, maybe Max Sharping then becomes in a play for 80. But uh, I wouldn't be so too surprised, though, you know, to hear Tim, Nar- Tim Harris's late, name late or the possibility that they are going to look for one offensive lineman you know, a, a little bit earlier than most of us anticipate. Um, uh, so, guys, iTunes, rating reviews, those always help the show. Uh, they're key, obviously, for the growth and everything. So, please, you know, just keep feeding the five stars and the written reviews over there. It means a ton, and I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. Pete, as we get into this, now going into this week, and obviously the way we're looking at it, and everybody, it's, you know, in uh, uh, Steve Palazzo, Palazzo of uh, PFF put out today, you know, and it was a great tweet, you know, the Vikings had Chris Carter, the Vikings had Jake Reed, they didn't necessarily need Randy Moss, um, but that's the point of it, look, if, if the guy's a stud, just take him, it doesn't matter what else he got going on at the position, but that gets us to this, um, everyone is feels pretty confident with the, this roster the way it is. But there's still holes here, Pete, in looking over this in a while. Maybe it's time to check in on it again. There's still some needs on this team. Look, nothing's ever going to be perfect. That's just the way it works with every NFL franchise. They always wish they were a little better somewhere else. Are the Browns a hell of a lot closer than they were one year ago? There's no doubt about it. But what are the, the biggest? where are the biggest glaring needs? Uh, biggest thing is secondary. Uh, they... You know, obviously, they, they, they robbed Peter to pay Paul in terms of, you know, trading Jabril Peppers to get Odell Beckham. Certainly makes him a lot stronger on offense, but now you have to replace slash alter your defense. And, you know, that sort of gives you the opportunity to change fundamentally how the defense looks. And maybe, they're, you know, in light of no longer having Peppers here, who, you know, clearly seemed to be a guy like uh, Steve Wilkes liked, um, it sort of gives you the freedom to shape the, the, the secondary differently if that's how you want to do it. Um, you know, Morgan Burnett is not enough, uh, and Eric Murray, I don't, I don't think is really a safety. Uh, and along with that, you know, you're going to keep looking for corners because that's the nature of the beast. And and I like Terrence Mitchell. You like Terrence Mitchell. I I like what T.J. Carey play, did the second half of the season, but I don't think he's going to contribute. Uh, after this year, I think ultimately his contract is going to get uh, he's going to get released. I don't think they can afford to pay him after that. Um, and then you look to linebacker. It's I think for the most part it's going to be as few linebackers as possible on the field. But at the same time, Joe Schobert 
uh, is the man there. And then Chris Kirksey is still there. He's making $8.2 million. Uh, you know, it's more difficult to release him now. It's actually more expensive to release him than to actually pay him. Um, and you need linebacker help both in terms of depth and then for the future. And then defensive line, look, the front four is outstanding. Uh, you even get to five and six. They're very, very good. But defensive tackle is brutal after uh, the two frontline guys. Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi uh, may be the most uh, underrated group, perhaps, in the NFL, uh, as neither one is really a guy that's sort of nat- naturally mentioned as one of the better defensive tackles. But I think you know this sets up really well for them to be one of the better groups in the league, and then you need guys behind them so they can stay fresh so guys aren't taking a break on the field, potentially being put up in situations to get hurt or be ineffective or whatever, which happened last year with Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, offensive tackle, um, look, Chris Hubbard is an average offensive tackle. Maybe Kendall Lamb is going to be you know the guy that ultimately replaces him. It certainly makes sense on the money standpoint. But what are you going to do after Greg Robinson? Either he's going to be too good to sign or he's going to be too bad to sign. There's no really in between. You're, either, right. you're going to lose him one way or the other. So you need another guy after that. And, you know, they do need to keep looking at weapons. I mean, you have a great quarterback. You always want to keep feeding him. And it doesn't mean that you're going to need weapons for 2019. But, 2020 there are going to be some this roster is going to look different so theoretically you know Jarvis Landry Richard Higgins uh Seth the Valve Duke Johnson Kareem Hunt these are all guys who are here on the roster right now that may not be on the roster next year um or you know some of them may not even make it to this year so you're gonna have to sort of prepare uh, for next year so that, you know, the guys who are getting camp reps now and preseason reps now are ready to hit the ground running next year uh, so that the Browns, when they're theoretically competing for a Super Bowl, uh, they aren't waiting for guys. They are hit the ground running, all uh, you know, everything working in the same direction, ready to compete. And that's, you know, what makes a good team competitive as opposed to a team sort of adjusting to life after these guys yeah like uh, you know antonio callaway you know i mean what he did last year that's you know kind of what are you talking about? no okay, that's a... mac and cheese and broccoli is that all right that's fine so, uh, you know, Callaway's not supposed to hit the ground running, obviously, like the way he did. So, um, you know, with the day three guys. And, uh, guys, does it sound like we're being a little bit picky here? Uh, yeah, when you're filling out the final spots, yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen. You get a little bit picky. Uh, so, you know, you, you have to just kind of roll with the punches there. But you want to acquire, obviously, the best and most talented players you can in those areas. Um, we do have some listeners here. We'll start with this one. Uh, from Tony Kuhl. Uh, uh, Pete, here we are one year out from the 2018 draft. Who uh, who were some of our biggest misses in 2018? For the most part, I, we did pretty good in 18. There's got to be somebody. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen slash Ronnie Brown overperformed relative to being a... Yeah, we did spend a lot of time beating the d- daylights out of him. I mean, he. I mean, if you look at the advanced metrics when it comes to passing, he started sucking and he finished sucking. But if you get into you know what they did to play around his 
weaknesses. You know, he did okay. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody where I, I crushed a guy that is, you know, squeaked out an okay year and people are going to tell me that he's great. Uh, but uh, nobody jumps out at me early. I, I, I guess... I mean, the early returns, and he's a rookie, is a, that I thought Josh Rosen would be better, but I also think he's been handled disastrously poorly. Um, who else is there? I don't know. I mean... I got nothing in front of me. That's the thing that's killing me. I, I need to see something I could probably tell you right away. I'm sure I failed on one or two wide receivers. No I mean, I, I was really high on Alan Lazard. He's you know on a roster, but he was one of the guys that went undrafted that I thought was could be good. Um, you know, that's... If, you, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, I suppose. Yeah, but, we can get back to this another time. I guarantee, if I went and just looked back, at it, I could probably come up with three, four names in an instance. Um, so we'll maybe bring that back another time. Uh, here, let's get to the rest of them here. Uh, uh, now, um, there's a bunch of them, so we got some good ones here. Uh, this is always good. Sam Panics. Uh, assuming the Browns had a pick in the seven to ten range and no Odell Beckham. If they hadn't taken on their quarterback last year, what would the game plan be? What would the game plan be? Assuming... What would the game plan be, Pete? Uh, I guess it would be D-tackle. So if the Browns are in the 7-10 to 10 range? Yes, and no Odell Beckham. Um... Oh, and if they hadn't taken, oh, and if they hadn't taken, yeah, this gets bigger, really, oh, yeah. really deep in the weeds. Um, so if if you know if the Browns are at seven to ten, had no Odell Beckham or and, Baker and, or Baker Mayfield, what we do? I tried to like hell to trade down. I don't yes. feel good about where I'm at in terms of the quarterback class. So you know, your natural reaction is to try to get as many assets as possible, so you're in position to get uh, in position to get the quarterback you do want and you know if you didn't get your quarterback last year and you're looking at this class you should be going oh man we screwed up um so yeah i mean you're trying to get as many assets as possible so you can move up go get the guy you want uh that i mean that is what the browns did uh you know for last year and thank god between hugh jackson's incompetence and uh, really fortunate for the Browns, bad for the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, you know, tore his ACL and they ended up, you know, at one and four. But that was the deal. The, like all those assets were in case, you know, they did not expect to be bad that last year. They, you know, obviously they had expectations to be in the playoffs, uh, which was stupid and unrealistic. But that is how they they played it out. And then they got all these assets so they could trade up uh, and get in position to take the quarterback they wanted. It just happened to work out that they ultimately didn't need them. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was, you know, I, yeah, I guess here it would just be adding more players. Uh, you know, I'd feel a lot more com- confident with Dwayne Haskins a little later. Uh, I, I don't even want to go any further on in this quarterback class. I guess the question would be is who would have been the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns last year? I guess it would have been Tyrod. Uh, I guess he would have had a and I guess it does fix, fit if Tyrod was a quarterback. Some, he maybe would have been drafted somewhere between 7 and 10. Uh, it, I guess it would have been insert your favorite quarterback of choice. But, woof, yeah. Sam, let's just pretend we don't have to play that scenario. Uh, Giovanni Ruiz, uh, been seeing a lot of Jalen Ramsey. It's weird what's going on in Jacksonville. Uh, it, you know, uh, Smith, the linebacker, Jalen Ramsey, 
look, the guys, the Florida State guys, they they, they, they run they run a little hot. They do. Um, but Jalen Ramsey, it seems um, there's a lot of you know rumors, maybe whatever. I don't. First things first, the Browns have no way to acquire Jalen Ramsey. Um, Smith would maybe be a different story. Um, he did not play as well in 18 as he did in 17. Um, but it just seems weird. But I don't. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm not. I'm not trading away what's you know, the best part that I have going on on the field. Am I right? It's, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, look, if you're Jacksonville, you are looking at this. You you acquired Nick Foles. You did not do it because you are you trying it. to be a 500 football team. You got it because you want to win and win now. Um, the Browns theoretically could trade for Jalen Ramsey because I think he's on the last year of his or second to last year of his second to last. Uh, rookie deal. But the, then the problem is you can't afford to pay him. You know, beyond that, so it's unrealistic. Now, the whole thing in Jacksonville comes down really. You know, I, I whether it's it it just appears this way between Tom Coughlin. It's it's like uh, a generation gap, except there are like two generations in between them. Oh no, he's he's yeah, he's grandpa. These are the he's these are the yeah, grandkids. like it, it's it's you know old you know get off my lawn guy yelling at you know millennials type deal. In terms of what they're doing, they're looking at it from, you know, especially in the case of uh, Telvin Smith, he wants to get paid. Um, and Jalen Ramsey, you know, this has been an ongoing issue with Jacksonville, and it's difficult to know what you want to believe. Um, they've sort of, or it's been, he's been painted as sort of being very immature and juvenile, uh, not entirely focused uh, or professional. And, you know, how much of that is true versus how much of that is being basically fed to reporters by the front office is unclear. Certainly this doesn't do anything to help him in that vein. Uh, It's very easy to continue to paint him in that light. Uh, But, you know, this is part of the – I guess you say this is part of the reason Jacksonville has Tom Coughlin is, you know, they they want, you know, that law and order guy. Uh, which is also why they've been. Uh, it's been suggested that the the Jacksonville Jaguars want T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, he's more in line with Tom Coughlin, and I suppose there's some truth to that. Although my immediate reaction to that is Tom, Co- they want uh, Tom Coughlin to, or, or Tom Coughlin wants to draft the white guy, uh, the gritty, grindy, you know, uh, you know, Jim Rat all that nonsense uh, to sort of show the, uh, the quote, un- uppity black kids how it's done or something like that. Like, there's just a lot that just sounds very – nothing Nothing seems to really make – you know, sound very good with where Jacksonville is going. So what, se- what seems likely with Jacksonville is they're going to try like hell to keep this thing together one more year, hoping that Nick Foles – Winning and Nick, by virtue of Nick Foles, is going to get everybody to sort of buy back in, uh, be happy uh, that they're winning. Uh, that that you know so much of the issues that they dealt with last year was a product of losing uh, and Blake Bortles being terrible, as opposed to guys not really wanting to buy in or being distracted or all those other things. So that's the really complicated mess the Jacksonville's in. I don't know what their long-term play is with any of these guys, but I think they're going to try like hell just to keep it together 
and hopefully for their sake make a run this year. I don't think it's in the cards, but I understand why they're they're doing it the way they're doing it. Uh, the worst thing that happened at Jacksonville was Andrew Luck reestablishing his health. Um, it's you know even even getting to the AFC Championship game and one that they conceivably should have won and they should have gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, it did seem like a mirage. Uh, you know Leonard Fournette. He's there, and sometimes when he's there, he's really good. Uh, T.J. Yeldon, who was always there to bail his ass out when he wasn't able to go, is not there anymore. Um, the wide receiving core, oh, they think they have a nice, deep, long one, but the problem is, is you know, where's the headliner? Where's the star of the show? They don't have that guy. Um, I would not be pissing off Smith, Telvin Smith. I would not be pissing off Jalen Ramsey. And I think it's maybe to the point where, and this is where Tom Coughlin doesn't realize, is you know, these players are so freaking smart these days. They see it. They know the legit- legitimacy of the franchise that they are currently on. And now it's to the point of, you know, do, am I going to set my roots down here? And it's great to get paid, but we're going to suck, and we're not going to be very good. And I, I'm sure that's what's going on with Jalen Ramsey. And look, and the fact that he wants to work out in Nashville and you know, whatever. I mean, he's not the first star player that doesn't go to OTAs, which the whole point of the whole thing is, is they're freaking voluntary. So it's dumb in that respect. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has one of the best agents business. And if he says, look, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll spin it our way. And there, don't worry. There'll be 31 other teams just waiting to scoop you up. Maybe he'd go home to Nashville, which will double put a freaking stake in the Jaguars' heart. Um, as much promise as I thought they maybe had going into the 18th season, it was it, right away you just saw it. it was Nothing had changed. Uh, it was you know still the mirage that it was. You know, 17 was great, but that may have been the best it was for Jacksonville for quite a while. Well, let's put it this way. The biggest mistake Jacksonville made, they absolutely screwed themselves the second they took Leonard Fournette. They, A, he, he has sucked. He had that one pretty good year, but he was never great. And, it, again, this, you know, it's, it's the opportunity cost. What did they give up when they took Leonard Fournette? And the short answer is Pat Mahomes. And... You look at that team and you go, well, what if they took Pat Mahomes and what are they actually getting from Leonard? They're looking at running backs in this class. This awful, awful class, they're looking at running backs. They, they, they traded for Carlos Hyde. You know, it's it's unthinkable how bad that pick has gone for them. And that, you know, that was the Tom Coughlin's going to institute a power running game and they're going to be, you know, running the football and play defense. And... If they took Pat Mahomes and, and handled him properly, they would be a one of the best teams in the league. Instead, they are swimming, trying, treading water like hell, trying to stay afloat, and ultimately they're going to fail. And it all pins on that on that pick. Exactly, and the thing is, and everybody, you know, and it's it's very similar to the organization Tom left. Um, they're trying to get themselves where uh, we don't want to play. This basketball on grass. No, that's the way it's played now. It is. It's just the way it is. It's, you know, you better be equipped and have a game plan to at least drop 30 on the opponent you're playing that week or otherwise expect the fact that you're going to go home with an L. And these guys see it. And obviously, you know, Smith and Jalen Ramsey, these guys won a national championship at FSU. They know what it takes. They know what needs to be done on both sides of the ball. It's it, it's it, it's a shit show. And look, I mean, Tom Coughlin, as great as a man as he is, and as great as you know the history he has within this game, he the game is outdating him severely, and that is probably one of the biggest parts down there. And a guy who was coaching that team and got them to the AFC Championship in seventeen, he's most likely going to go down with this ship as well. Um, Max Law, 
Uh, what quarterback do you guys like in the fifth, sixth round? For me, it's Brett Rippon. We've gone on this, but go ahead, Pete. Brett Rippon's fine. Uh, you know, I, I think if you're gonna, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't draft them. But the kids that are interesting, if you want to grab one, Jordan Tamu from Ole Miss is interesting. Uh, you know, obviously spoiled with weapons there, but he was, you know, his tape's not not awful, uh, and he was pretty efficient there. Um, Brett Rippon's fine. That you know, I don't have a problem with that. I, obviously, I like uh, uh, the kid from Washington State. Minshew. Uh, yeah, Gardner Minshew. I think he's got he lacks arm strength. Uh, as I as as you know, Rippon is, is fine. Under, like forty two in the wonder lake for Minshew. Yeah, I mean naturally. Uh, but uh, you know, he he plays a lot. Of, if you're saying I want a guy like Baker Mayfield, you know, Gardner Minshew plays a lot like Baker Mayfield. He just doesn't have the arms that Baker Mayfield does. In fact, Minshew, in a lot of ways, is what a lot of people seem to think Baker Mayfield was last year when they were criticizing his arm strength. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I think Minshew, and I've mentioned this, um, I won't say Tyree Jackson because we're saying fifth or sixth round. That's not where he should go. Um, but I do like Tyree Jackson because if you wanted to draft him to be the eventual backup, I think if the offense where the plan is now, obviously with what Freddie wants to do and obviously with Monken brought in, it's going to be a vertical attack. That will suit Tyree Jackson. I do like the fact that he can do some things with his legs. If uh, you want a toolsy guy who's probably not going to get drafted, uh, look at Drew Anderson from Murray State via Buffalo. Um, he's that you know big, strong you know quarterback with an arm type guy, but you know it hasn't really clicked for him in a, in a huge way in college. He's you know he may be a guy you you want to try to bring in for that, but. Again, you know, I don't. None of these guys are making me go, man. I I have to have him. And look, and obviously with the addition of Gilbert, I think we maybe got the what the Browns feel about you know whether or not they would draft a quarterback in this class. Um, we'll go to here, uh, Matt Slaw again. Um, this one's actually probably a little easier to do, but uh, Thornhill, Rap, Adderley, Savage. Say all of them were available at forty nine. Rank them one through four, Pete. Well, we know we're. We know who the one is. Let me see where that list is. Say those. Juan Thornhill, it's Savage, it's Adderley, and it's Taylor Rapp. Uh, I'll start with, look, I think Taylor Rapp, now, as much as I love the player, I don't think this is what you're looking for. Um, Taylor Rapp would be the guy you would bring in to inevitably replace what you had in Jarrell Peppers, where you would maybe use Eric Murray as, you know, the caddy, where you would get two players to do the job that Jabril Peppers did. But they, I don't think this is what they're looking for. I, it's, it seems it's not. They're, it's it's going to be more about coverage. And as long as you can get your nose dirty and do your job and run support, that's the way they're going to go. So I would take rap right out of this mix. And the way we've gone and we've talked here, you know, for me it'd be Thornhill, Savage. I'm not a huge Adderley guy. Similar with Rocky Sin. It, it, for me, it's to the point now where I am. I have the smallest holes to fill. I want the guys who played everybody, and guys, I don't, I don't use the Senior Bowl in that respect. I don't. It's a nice thing. It's a nice showcase. It's, an, it's a nice experience. Um, you know, as far as the one-on-ones, the wide receivers should win. If they don't, that's a concern. I, I, I'd rather just, for me, I'd rather hedge my bet. For me, Adderley, I'd rather take him closer to the pick 80. That's just where I'm at with that. So for me, it would be between Thornhill and Savage, but it would definitely be Juan Thornhill. You're talking, you know. Okay. Go ahead. I got you. Thornhill, I, I will take Juan Thornhill first. Uh, Nasir Adderley second. Uh, I, I clearly like him more than you do. I think he 
gives you a lot uh, in terms of range. In that terms jump, of his- that, just that jump at that early though. That's I mean the jump in competition that early definitely gives me a little pause. Yeah, but at, you know as it should. But again, you know I'm looking at. The, you know, I'm looking at Nasir Adderley as a role player initially, as I am with Thornhill, that ultimately takes over the job. And I think if you piecemeal it, it could be interesting. Although, you know, I, at the same time, I, I do think Nasir Adderley might be better as a slot earlier and then evolve into it. And the Browns aren't really in that s- station, so it doesn't make as much sense. But nevertheless, Nasir Adderley, I have two. Darnell Savage, three. And Taylor Rapp, four. And again, I, I think he, when you have the... Straight line speed he has, which is four eight, but you have supreme agility. I that to me says box safety, uh, and I think he'd really excel at that. Unfortunately, that's not where the Browns are at. Uh, I think he can be a very nice player for a very long time. I'm not as high as on, on as some people. I know there are people who think he's got first round tape. I do not. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with those three of those guys are on my target board. The one that isn't is Rap. Uh, obviously, in addition to the athleticism, his production, especially in solo tackles, is not there. So I'm not I'm not in on him. Uh, actually, here's a good one here from uh, Matthew Darcy. Before we get to it, guys, uh, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists. New features brought that brought to them uh, brought by them every day over in Himalaya. Download it at your app store and make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns. Now, Pete, we'll get to this one. Uh, Matthew Darcy, and this is actually a pretty good one here. Um, everybody seems to want to talk about trading up, trading up, trading up, trading up, trading up. And Matthew brings up a great point here. Why so much to trade up back into round one? it would be cheaper to trade up from 80 and maybe hedge your bets with, say, pick 49 and 60 or 65. So, Well, this is this has been something I've been advocating for a while, and I think it makes far more sense. Um, first, first and foremost, if you're just looking at the draft from a whole, I think the sweet spot in the draft is about pick 25 to pick 75. I think you want as many picks in that area as you can, which is why teams are trying to trade down, get more picks in that area, that so on and so forth. And the teams that have picks in that area don't look to be moving. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you, you, you sit there and it, it plays out a certain way and, and you get, let's say, Juan Thornhill as an example, and, you know, you're sitting there and Julian Love's hanging out, and you want to go get him, uh, then trade up from 80 and go get him, or the opposite. Justin Lane is a 49, you're able to get him, and you sit there and you go, man, I really want Darnell Savage, you go up and get him. Um, That's sort of my thought process with it. I think it's more reasonable to move up from 80 as well. Um, I think there are more players likely to be 49 that you're going to be happy with, and then 80 may just be too far and that you want to move up and go get somebody specific uh, either because, you know, because of what you did at 49, either in response to or because you're worried something's going to Example, the, the, the position I think that has the highest chances to happen would be corner and then followed by offensive tackle. I could see, you know, in either situation – uh, you could see yourself going, wow, I don't want to miss out on this wave of corners. Uh, I want to go up and get a guy or offensive tackle. We have to do something in case of injury or because we want to be ready for when Greg Robinson is no longer here. So we're going to move up and get that guy 
you know, in the 60s, or for example. Well, I mean, there's also other ways to look at it. Look, if a defensive tackle start, run starts early, and there's one of these names that you truly want, and you don't want to have to wait another 20 or something so picks, and we, we've gone over this at nauseum. Do we think eight draft picks are going to make this roster? No. So you kick a fifth, you kick the seventh, which you know that guy is going to be dead man walking. He's probably never going to make this team. So you kick those two picks, you get yourself up a little bit closer here, and so you know maybe you're drafting 49, and you know like Matthew said here, you were drafting 60 to 65. You're able to get yourself another impact player because that's what it's about here. It's about guys that are available. You're nervous they're not going to be available, but you want to get them. You want to get it done because you don't have a ton of holes to fill, but the holes you do have to fill, you want to fill it and make sure and be damn confident in what you're filling it with. So if it's, you know, five picks through, you know, obviously 49 to then, you know, the the last pick in the fifth round or whatever, just pound it out and get the best players that you can and the, the ones you're most confident in. And obviously, you know, UDF, some people brought some of this up here, Pete. It's going to be interesting UDFA-wise because... A, there's going to be positions where guys are going to say, no, in no way do I want to be you know, go to Cleveland because uh, you know in mid-August I'm going to be looking, searching for another job. Or there's going to be some guys where, you know, hey, if I can make a couple of plays on the Cleveland Browns, as crazy as it seems to say that, even though if I'm not going to make the team, I'll look a little more attractive when I do a get cut. Sure. Um you know, I am not as down on, you know, those late-round picks making the team as, as maybe some people are, only because I think, again, the Browns are in a, a position to get very specific role players. Uh, but at the same, same time, you know, you come in and, and somebody beats you out, and potentially, you know, that seventh-round pick may get beat out by an undrafted free agent. At that point, it's, you know, largely a straight competition or whatever, but, like, I, you know, I, there are guys that you know that that make a lot of sense for this team, and and maybe they just want to uh, lock down a guy. They they uh, don't want to get out there on the open market in terms of undrafted free agents, so they go ahead and grab him. Will that work out? Who knows? Maybe that that may be what happened with Simeon Thomas. God only knows who else was going to take him, but nevertheless, they did. Uh, the Browns drafted him in the seventh round, and he ultimately didn't make the team. And I don't even know. I, I, he's probably on a roster somewhere. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's this I, rem- I remember. I remember it was late. I remember during Labor Day he went to the Seattle Seahawks, which made sense because you know he fit yeah. their prototype. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see them move on, move with one of those fifth round picks. Uh, maybe the, move with that seventh round pick. Again, I, I don't rule out the possibility at all that they trade out with a pick and go get another pick for next year. Uh, you know, one of those fifth rounders for a fourth next year, something along those lines. Just something, uh, look, I mean, g- give yourself options and, and feel confident that you did the best you could. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, cuts that'll happen. There'll be, you know, there's still some unsigned free agents. Um, we're going to put a bow on this one here because it's uh, a little bit fun here. Pete Smith has been living the life of Jeff, apparently, this weekend. Um, and we all have our crosses to bear, my buddy. We do. And uh, at the end of the we'll feel better about it, Pete. We will. We will. Um, but, guys, check out all the work. Uh, obviously, you know, Pete put up the uh, 135 board. He put up the... He put up the the Browns top fifty board. He put out the final Browns mock draft today. So check all of that out over at NFL Spin Zone. Uh, make sure you're following him. We got him to the five K, guys. Keep him there as long as Pete behaves himself. Hopefully he'll get to stay there. 
Uh, so follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, guys. You know we always keep that follow back, and it's just the best way for you guys all to get in touch with us. And so it's you, like uh, it's like four days with ham, Jeff. It's like four days with ham. <laughs> you poor son of a gun. I get it. <laughs> I trust me. I understand. Not the ham part, but I understand the the coded language. I need my buffer zone. <laughs> oh, yeah, about seven states worth. Yep. Um, uh, so the Lockdown Brown Twitter account guys always follow back uh, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd um, guys appreciate you all and appreciate you all bringing the questions here look uh, there's you know, obviously a ton going on over the next couple of days uh, trying to do everything we can to answer it uh, but it's also spring break for me right now uh, my wife is out of work she's not working the kids are out of school it's a colossal shit show right now we're doing our best to get through this I, they will not be around Thursday evening. They have been told they are to find something to do so uh, we can get to all of that or whatever. But, guys, you know, uh, best time to get me is during the day. Trust me, best time is to get me during the day. Um, this has been the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, four days of ham for Pete. And guys, just say a little novita. If we, <laughs> we all have to deal with it. We do, we do, we do. Um, but, yeah, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>